Hello everyone, you are now tuning in to Armlad Podcast. I'm your host, the Armlad himself, and today I would like to discuss on the Barbenheimer effect. So what is the Barbenheimer effect? Well, to be fair, a quick Google search on Barbenheimer effect will show you that it's a new dating term that encourages people to find someone who is their opposite, much like Barbie and Oppenheimer are opposite to each other. Though I much prefer to call it the Barbenheimer theory. Calling it the Barbenheimer effect means that this is a dating trend that arises due to worldwide phenomenon of Barbenheimer, and that means it's more of just a cool thing to do rather than perhaps having any merit to it. The Barbenheimer theory, as I would like to call it, means that I personally posit this as a working hypothesis that I will be testing. Though not rigorously through active research and paperwork, but rather a simple observation of daily life of the people around me. Now, before we dive in, spoiler warning for both movies, so if you haven't watched any of the two movies, proceed with caution. So the Barbenheimer theory that I propose is that it is better to find someone who is contrasting to you in a way that is complementary. It is not to say that you should find someone who is completely the opposite of you, but rather someone who shares certain similarities and yet contrasts you in other aspects. See, the reason Barbenheimer is highly celebrated in cinemas is because it represents something very important for the industry. As of late, the cinema has been riddled with never-ending movie franchises that keeps getting worse and worse every single time. Marvel has been on a steady decline and the superhero genre is getting really stale. Fast and Furious has already made three trilogies and have just released yet another movie. Transformers is back, and I don't know why. Disney is on a journey of ruining every single one of their beloved classics. Oof. Hot controversial take there, but that is a different discussion for a different day. Which also reminds me, disclaimer. Before we dive even further, this episode is going to be just as controversial as the last one, if not more. Anyhow... Most movies has just been an adaptation or a remake or reiteration of some trendy tropes and we haven't had a lot of new original standalone movies that are actually good. We've had some, like Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Menu, which was refreshing to say the least, but these are still rare and far between. And Barbie and Oppenheimer are also one of those new original standalone movies that are actually good, which was released on the same date. Which goes to point number one, timing. On top of that, these two movies are made with a lot of passion and care from both directors going so far as creating practical effects for the movies, with Barbie causing scarcity in pink paints and Oppenheimer dropping real bombs. Which goes to point number two, values. Both movies also revolves around the concept of when ideas or, say, imagination meets reality and seeks to discuss a very real and current problem that are happening in our society regarding very real objects as well with Barbie discussing socio-political issues through Barbie doll and Oppenheimer discussing geopolitical issue through the atom bomb which goes to point number three goals it's not to say that they're exactly the same because one is social politics and the other is geopolitics but there are some similarities there 
which I think lends itself to an even more accurate picture. So let's discuss these three points before we get into the contrast. Timing. I think this is by far the hardest pill for me to swallow, personally. And just before I say anything, please keep in mind that at the end of the day, these are all just theory. My theory. I'm not claiming this to be entirely true or accurate. It's a working hypothesis. But I think timing inevitably plays a pretty vital role. Say what you will about time, whether age is just a number, time is an illusion, time is a man-made concept, or whatever it is. Time exists, even if only relatively so. What I mean by that is, even if time doesn't exist, or even if it's unimportant, people have different timing, and that's kind of undeniable. I might have graduated at 21, some people maybe 22. 23, some other 19, 18. Now, regardless of age, if I am at the time in my life where I am settled, my career is pretty stable, I have a living space that is pretty secure, I guess, uh, and I am done with the trials and errors of relationship, done with the fun and games of dating and one-night stands, and I'm ready to settle down, basically. I can't be, or perhaps shouldn't be, with someone who is still pursuing their dreams, trying to build their career, and still finding their way in relationships, not exactly knowing what they want, and for the most part, still want to go out and party and have fun and all that thing. Because the truth is, we don't know how long they'll be there. We don't know how long it will be until they're actually ready to settle down. And I don't think it's fair for them to skip their youth not being able to do what they want to do, have a little fun, make a lot of mistakes, and just go straight into parenthood when they're not exactly ready for it. But it also wouldn't be fair for you to have to wait without any uncertainty of when this will end because your life also needs to go on. You can't just keep your life on pause for someone else. And yes, it is possible that they're growing or, say, improving at a higher speed than you and will in no time catch up with you because you're say, relatively slow at making these progresses. But then that might also mean that at some point they'll surpass you and you'll get left behind. But that also doesn't mean that you can't pick up your speed or they can't learn to slow down either. My point is, there is a lot of caveat and exception to this. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It's not a rule. It's a guideline more than anything. But having similar timing means no one is rushed and no one has to wait indefinitely either. Then again, if someone is worth the wait, then by all means, do wait for them. You don't have to rush at life. It's not a race. All I'm saying is that timing is an important factor to consider and having similar timing would be greatly beneficial. Though, it's not just coincidental timing, but also pacing. How far you want to go in life, how fast you want to go in life. It's like if you're walking through life and the other person is sprinting through life and you're counting on that split second where you guys are in the same spot and neither of you actually wants to change your speed, then, you know, the timing is still off. Second thing is value. I think this is much more clear-cut 
I think you guys understand what I mean by having similar values in life. Because if you're going to be together, which means you will be operating as a unit, it's really hard when you have different values. I mean, yes, two truths can coexist, absolutely. And yes, having different values can widen your horizon and you can learn from each other and grow and be better and all that jazz. But if you operate based on two different values, it will be significantly harder for you to work as a unit. Say one of you is very future-oriented with big dreams and ambitions and you need financial security or, say, a huge amount of savings to achieve this. And the other person is very much seize the day, live for the moment, carpe diem kind of person. That means that every day will be a little game of tug of war. That there is a way for people like this to be together, but it's not a difference in value, and I'll, I'll get to that when we go to the contrasting part, but essentially having a different value means you'll probably end up understanding each other's perspective anyway. You'd weigh out the pros and cons and learn to see the world from the other person's worldview and philosophy to living and end up either compromising to find a middle ground, um, one person eventually agrees with the other, or work together to combine both your philosophy and create a new one. I don't really know the possibility of the last one happening, but it should be possible, right? Either way, you'll probably end up with a similar core values. So moving on to the third one, goals. It's honestly not that much different of a case than with values. It's not to say that you have to have the same goals, of course not. Everyone has their own goals and everyone is at least a little different from another person. But you have to have a similar enough goal so that, once again, you can work as a unit. If your goal has nothing to do at all with the other person's goal and achieving one does not in any way, shape, or form helps the other in achieving theirs, then you're basically two people cohabitating. Which I guess is perfectly fine if that's what you're looking for. Or it's back to the same case. Either compromising, finding a middle ground, one eventually leans into the other, or create a new goal together. In the most simplest term, if I have a particular design for my house, and my partner has a particular design for her house, then it's either we blend two together, we both live in my house, or we both live in her house, or we build a brand new house together. Those are the only options. You can't just live in your own houses. Again, unless that is what you want, then fine by me. Now, when I say these three things need to be similar, and keep in mind it's similar, not the same, but similar. It's not to say that you need to find someone who is just similar with you from the get-go, but it's to find someone who is willing and able to sync up with you and find common ground one way or another. But these three things are things that in one way or another, sooner or later, you're going to have to work on. So now what about the contrast between the two? I think at the end of the day, depending on how critical you want to compare and contrast these two movies, you'll inevitably find more similarities and more contrasts than what I would be presenting here. However, 
These are the ones that I found and I've included in the Barbenheimer theory thus far. So anyway, Barbie talks about art, as Barbie itself is a work of art. And Oppenheimer is about science, as the atom bomb is a scientific discovery. Now, both of them, like I previously mentioned, revolves around the concept of when an idea meets reality. The difference is one is in the form of art and the other is in the form of science. One talks about how to feel like when Ruth says to Barbie, now feel, before disappearing like a magician. And the other talks about how to think. And though not as representative, I believe the final line in Oppenheimer is, I think we did, or something like that. Basically, it's emotion versus logic. It's masculinity versus femininity. Again, I'm not saying masculine equals male and feminine equals female. It's just energy. Barbie talks about acceptance, coming to terms with your flaws and even accepting others for theirs as well. Oppenheimer talks about providing and the responsibility as well as the consequences of providing, say, an atom bomb. Barbie talks about the harsh reality of the world where women are mistreated, if not downright abused, and how we can come to accept the world as is, which is evident by Barbie's decision to go to the real world despite getting cellulites and all that, despite getting catcalled in the earlier part of the movie and even butt slapped. And Oppenheimer talks about providing this atom bomb in the hopes of ending the war only for that quote-unquote, gift to be abused and dropped on Japan willy-nilly and Oppenheimer was not only discredited for his services, but his name was even tainted and attacked even by the people he worked with. You see, back in the days where men has to be masculine and women has to be feminine, men were asked to be chivalrous, to be a gentleman and women were asked to be gracious. And since masculine energy is to provide, men were asked to be chivalrous, to provide regardless of the circumstances. Since feminine energy is to receive, women were asked to be gracious, regardless of the circumstances. So the wounding of men is to provide, and instead of being met with gratitude, it was met with disdain or a spit in the face and had to be gentle and provide still. And the wounding of women is to receive all the mistreatment and abuse and had to be gracious still, accepting everything with open arms. Now before I go too far on this tangent, the contrast is exactly that. One is to feel and one is to think. One is more emotional and one is more logical. I mean, yes, it would be nice if both of you is just as emotional or both of you is just as logical because then you both wouldn't argue so much and would understand each other a lot better. But life sometimes demands you to be logical and other times it demands you to be emotional. If you are to be a team, a duo, would you want your partner to be the same as you or someone who can actually think differently than you, someone who can offer you a different perspective. 
because then that way you can still be logical while still being mindful of the feeling of everyone involved. The next one is one is art and one is science, meaning that one of you is good at the more practical things like maybe fixing things around the house or maybe math and finance and all that stuff that is more exact and precise and facts and grounded. The other person can be more creative and artistic and imaginative to design and decorate and work on more creative projects and perhaps even help you grow as a person through art. The quote from Modern Family, There are dreamers and there are realists in the world. You'd think that dreamers would find dreamers and realists would find realists. But more often than not, the opposite is true. You see, the dreamers need the realists to keep them from flying too close to the sun. And the realists, without the dreamers, they might never get off the ground. And last, but definitely not the least, as you will see, masculine energy versus feminine energy. Provide and receive. But you see, people aren't either completely logical or completely emotional or completely a dreamer and completely a realist. And they're also not completely masculine or completely feminine. It will always be a blend of both. The point is to find someone whose blend matches yours. Then again, it's not so much finding someone who is already made that way, but someone who is willing and able to sync up with you. So going back to the idea of that couple where one is more focused on the future and saving money and the other is more of live in the moment kind of person, if you guys have the same value, be it the future-oriented or the present-oriented one, one of you can be the dreamer and plan all this extravagant and luxurious vacation and the other person could be the realist and come in with ways to cut the budget or finding more budget-friendly alternatives to the same idea. Or, on the other hand, one of you can be the dreamer, planning on saving all these money and planning for the future, and one of you can be the realist who makes sure that you can still enjoy the day and not suffer for who knows how long just to save up money. The idea of contrast becomes even more apparent with the whole masculine provide and feminine receive things as an example. Now, if I break it down completely, this will take ages and probably fry up your brain as it did mine, so I have cut it down to simpler bite-sized pieces. So for this, you might want to take some notes. Now, if your partner has too much masculine energy compared to your feminine energy, you would feel overwhelmed because he'll be giving you all these attentions and pampering you and spoiling you with affection and you don't exactly have the capacity to receive all that. If your partner has too much feminine energy, you will feel exhausted. It'll provide all that you can and yet it will never be enough. If your partner has too little masculine energy, you'll feel neglected or undesirable. And if your partner has too little feminine energy, you'll feel rejected or unappreciated if not downright useless. So depending on how you feel in your relationship, these are probably your imbalances. 
Now, does that mean you have to find someone else? No, not really. These things can be cultivated, though that would be a different discussion for a different day. But essentially, either of you can learn to be more masculine or feminine just as much as you can learn to be more logical or emotional or creative or practical. Now, on top of those imbalances I mentioned, I do want to just add a little bonus here. As I've touched on before, there is such thing as the wounding of men and the wounding of women. Now, without getting too much into the nitty-gritty of what it is and how it happened and whatnot, wounded masculine demands and usually resorts to physical abuse, while wounded feminine lashes out and resorts to verbal abuse. Wounded masculine needs to be met with masculinity to meet the demands, and wounded feminine needs to be met with femininity to be validated and heard. Of course, it's not as simple as it sounds. I do highly recommend seeking professional help if this is an issue like couple counseling, but that is probably a rough guideline for a temporary fix. Anyhow, that concludes my lengthy Barbenheimer theory in which you have three things in common and you have three things in contrast with one another. Then again, remember that this is just a working hypothesis, so do take it with a grain of salt. And even if I'm right, the point is not to find someone who is made for you, but to find someone who is willing and able to balance you out in the right way. Which also means that you have to be just as willing and able to balance them out in the right way. And so that way, you can both learn and grow as a person work as a unit against the trials of life, and create a relationship that works just for the both of you. It's been me, Aram Lat. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.